Uh, we are now embarking on chapter three of the book Hearing God by Dallas Willard. Who has the book? Who bought the book? This is scary. <laughs> okay, please get the book. Okay, and uh, uh, please continue. Please uh, read. It's it's a beautiful book. It's an oldie, but uh, I want to encourage all of you to read along as we do these sermon series. Now, I know it's not required of you, but I would love you to do it. Because if you love me, you would. <laughs> right. So, we are now embarking on chapter 3 of Dallas Willard's book, Hear God. But before we do that, for those of you who might have missed it the prior two weeks, I'll give you a summary of the last ones, okay? So, chapter 1, the big idea. In fact, it's the big idea for the entire book, was this statement. People are meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God, speaking and being spoken to. Now, let me repeat that. People, you and I, are meant to live. This is a purpose of purpose in your life, actually. Meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God, speaking and being spoken to. Now, a thriving life is to live a life in frequent conversation with God. Now, I know that some of us have like a lot of Facebook friends. Like, if you go into my Facebook account, actually, what's worse is my LinkedIn account. I have 2,200 links. Can you believe it? Can't believe it. So, am I, am I truly friends with those 2,200 people? No. Why? Because I hardly talk to them. I probably only talk to two <laughs> out of the 2,200. So, like God, if we truly say God is our friend, do we talk to him often? One of the goals that we want to achieve together as we embark in this series is that all of us should come every Sunday with an expectation, even throughout the week, to ha truly have a unique, personalized, i.e. like Jonathan Chad specific, or Johnny Lab specific, or Gary Max specific, or Chris specific, built for you specific, conversational relationship that goes beyond just head knowledge, beyond just seeing our prayers as paying off sin bills, and especially beyond, especially for us ethnic group people here, especially beyond just being told what to do. Right? Oh, God says so, I'll do it. No, it has to go beyond that. We have to go beyond just, oh, the Bible says so, okay, I'll do it. We want a very deep conversation. Now, second highlight, was this next statement from Dallas Willard. This was an important one for this chapter. I fear that many people seek to hear God solely as a device for obtaining their own safety, comfort, and sense of being righteous. Now, how many times do I pray if I pass, even sometimes now I catch myself, to know God's will? Like, I go, God, I want your will. I want to know your will. But really, what I'm asking is for God to pull through with what I want and desire. Many times. Safety and security, unfortunately, is not in our God's nature. Why? Because God is not just a God that sits. God is ascending God. And God sent his only son to the cross, and therefore he will, he, his will for us is definitely not for us to be kept safe and free from suffering. If it was, you and I would not be called Christian. We must realize that when we say God is our shepherd, he will lead us through the deepest valleys. He will lead us through the roughest terrain. He will lead us through the stormiest of storms. And he will lead us to the rockiest places. And then he will lead us 
to the promised land, which is the still waters in Psalm 23. We must remember that God is not obligated to provide us with everything we want immediately. Let us not forget that it's not just Psalm 23. There's 150 songs. And, most, and all 149 of them have a lot to do with suffering and counting on God's grace. Now, in chapter 2, we identified one practice that we all should consider, right, last week, that we should all consider when developing and deepening our relationship with God. I was actually preaching to myself that day, too. And that is the importance of being in the wilderness. Being in the wilderness with God. What was the purpose of wilderness in that passage? Remember? Well, remember the Israelites? They were sent off to the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus went to the wilderness for 40 days. Elijah traveled for 40 days and 40 nights. Wilderness. What was the reason? The reason was it was to have God to realign our desires and loves back to him. It was also to experience his presence. God takes us in our wilderness so that he can speak to us directly and have a pass by. Remember the pass by we said? That pass by is about reminding us of who we are in his promise. He is a God of compassion, of love, of forgiveness and mercy. To remind us of that. Now, if you recall that part, uh, first, uh, the guideline was that Wilder mentioned was to love God with all our being. Well, wilderness, how do, we, how do we do that if we continually place ourselves in the midst of constant busyness and distractions then? How can we start our day in the presence of God if we don't set aside time devoted to God in the wilderness? Just you and him to pray, listen, and realign our loves and desires. Now, like I mentioned about God with the Israelites, God with Jesus, and Elijah. It is all about reminding ourselves and feeling and sensing and allowing God to touch us, to speak to us directly, and to remind us of his promise. But also, if you recall, it was like wilderness first and a wilderness second. Remember that? Uh, like uh, he had to get, like Elijah had to go back to the crisis. Elijah was in crisis moment, right? And he needed a God. So he needed to encounter God. He did. But what did God tell him to do? Go back to the crisis. Go back, but with a new, renewed perspective. Challenge for us today, sorry, the PowerPoint person must be going nuts right now because I'm going off notes. Challenge for us today is, do we have a wilderness moment in our, in our day-to-day? Because here's an example. Let's say that your first name was crap, okay? Let's just say that like, you, had a, you were pissed off with a client or an overwhelming boss, career that's going nowhere, you know, sort of like my previous life. Um, you know, just stuff like that, right? Just things just happen like that. You need a wilderness moment. Get it? But when you do the next day, have a wilderness moment. Realign yourselves with God. Be reminded, sense God's presence, and allow God to speak to you. Just like Elijah, God gave him a new perspective, transformed him. So then when and then he goes, no. Elijah, now Jonathan, go back to the crisis, but with a renewed mind. Follow? So that's a very important uh, lesson of why we need a wilderness moment with God. Sorry. 
Now, let's move on then. On to chapter three. Again, I will not regurgitate every point that Willard made in this chapter, but I will try to use scripture again to elaborate his points for better understanding. This chapter, if you were reading it, was entitled Never Alone. And it provided a response to this question. Here's a question. The basic idea here is that God calls us to a direct and fully self-conscious personal relation with him as priests, in which we share responsibility with him as kings. Then, in the exercise of his authority, exactly what does this involve and how do we experience it? That's the question. How do we experience being in personal relationship and also sharing the responsibility with him? That's Willard's question. So he explains it and answers it in five, and explains five of those forms and phrases involved. Now, this morning, I'm not going to go over all five, since you can read that yourself. See, you have to But what I'll do is use scripture to see how these five forms play itself out. But before we get begin, let's watch a video. Because you keep like, getting these clips. 
just to remind you that uh, I don't know if I shared my life before, but uh, I was a previously a movie buyer. So I watch movies, and for some reason, Rosanna thinks that I'm weird because I can remember every single scene of a movie that I've ever watched. Like, and that's the only thing I remember because sometimes I forget my anniversary. So, so let's move on. Our passage today, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 25. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, please turn with me to this because uh, I would love to have you highlight some of these stuff too. Here we go. Verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit. You should highlight that. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led, by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dimension, uh, factions, and dissension, sorry, not dimensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such these things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, and let us keep in step with the Spirit. Question for you. What is one word that sticks out right in front of you? What's most repeated? Spirit. Very important. And what did Paul say? Walk by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. See it? Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And what will you produce? The fruits of the Spirit. Follow? Follow? Okay, I just gave you some secret sauce of sermon writing. I know, I just did. The way we are taught is called discourse analysis. And uh, I'll just give you a tidbit of information. When you find a noun that's repeated like spirit, you try to find every preposition and verb that's attached with it. Then you go, okay, where is he leading? Where is he leading? Where is he leading? So, walk by the spirit, live by the spirit, live by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit because you'll produce fruits of the spirit. Follow? That's how you do it. Okay. Paul wrote to the Galatians telling them that in order for them to experience the freedom they have in Christ, freedom from the desires of the flesh, freedom to produce the fruit of the Spirit, freedom, okay, to produce. This is not about doing it, you know, obligated to do. No, this is something to break open, right? Meaning that it's already in you, right? You need freedom to break it out, right? Freedom. You need to be walking by the Spirit, you need to be led by the Spirit, you need to live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Now, whenever I come across this passage, uh, I've seen this many times already, the picture of dancing comes to mind. And hence, I show you that video. In a dance, such as the tango, there is a person who takes the lead and a person who follows. There's also a sense of trust involved, you notice? From, one of, one, the, from the one who is being led. Now, if you heard what Antonio Banderas' character said, the one being led not only trusts the lead, but what does she do? She also trusts herself, thank you, trusts in herself to be the person she was made to be. 
She trusts that the person who is leading will enable her to fully express herself and unleash who she is. You follow? Paul says that when we are being led by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, and living by the Spirit, it's not a life governed by rules, regulations, cost-benefit analysis. I didn't look at you just because of you. I just say it. I'm just trying to keep everybody good. But that's just for you particularly. Cost-benefit analysis, you know, fear of not measuring up or getting the greatest career or income. Like, if it doesn't worth my time, it's not worth doing. Or uh, if-then clauses. I've seen many marriages that have a lot of if-then clauses in theirs. Uh, MOUs, IOUs, and conditions. No! It has nothing to do with that. Christianity has nothing to do with that. Not about rules. It's about freedom. Paul says it's not, it's not about this, because if it's about all that, that is actually life under the law. The law prevents you from living out a life in Christ. A life that empowers, quickens, ignites, equips, and unleashes that very person that God has made you to be. Who are you then? Walk by the Spirit. I don't know. A life full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Isn't that what we all want? Well, guess what? This might come as a shock to you, but <laughs> you were made that way. You were originally made that way. Because God says in Genesis, it was good. You were good. You were created good. It's just because of sin that we became fallen and we became locked and we became locked with our own desires, our selfish desires. We became locked in, blocked, frozen. So Paul says, free yourself by walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. You follow? Freedom in Christ is that. You are made that way. You are made to be good. You are good. So let the Spirit unleash that. And that's why I titled this sermon, That's It With The Spirit. So let's dance. It's my first pull my go. Okay. Okay, I must admit, when it comes to dancing, <laughs> Rosanna always trying to encourage me, hey, let's go dance classes. Uh, well, I'm a lame duck when it comes to dancing. I'm a horrible dancer. Uh, many times I try to draw up with some excuse, whatever Rosanna says, let's go try dance classes, and I just, you know, well, you know, maybe uh, I have size 12 feet. Can't dance. <laughs> or, I'm just too bulky, you know, I'm too muscular, so I can't really coordinate. Yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> but let's face it, I just need to get off my hiney and take lessons. Rosanna wants to take dance lessons, I just drag my feet or try to book myself with something else whenever we have those conversations. Well, same with dancing with the spirit, because with the spirit, taking the lead. If we truly desire to develop, to develop a deeper and more conversational relationship with God, and we are to be led by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, we need to intentionally make space. Make space in our lives to learn the principles. Make space in our lives to learn how to dance with the Spirit. Learn the principles, uh, the Christian principles, the Bible, the, the Scripture. But really, not just that, right? Not merely memorizing them, but also learning the principles by putting them into practice. Why is it so important to put the principles into practice? Why can't we just memorize the principles and let that be? Well, Dallas Willis said that there are two forms of communication. 
The first form is with words. And I liken this to be the instructional period of dancing. You know, like you go to class and they tell you all the rules and read a manual of how to dance. And if I were to run a parallel to our Christian life, it's like us going to Bible studies, you listening to me at the pulpit, or we go to seminars or conferences. We learn, we take it in, right? We just take it in, take it in, take it in. But studying the Bible is not everything, right? It's only one of two things. In fact, if we see merely studying the Bible is good enough, we may deceive ourselves in several fallacies. Dallas Moore says this, the Bible gives direct instructions about many situations in our lives. We do not need to make long inquiries into God's will in order to know whether we should worship an idol. Of course not, right? He says, no, don't do it. Take something that is not ours, or that's because that's stealing, engage in illicit sex, or mistreat our parents. But other questions force us to realize that many of life's specific circumstances are not, not dealt with in the Bible. The principles are all there, however. Now, principles. Merely studying the principles and knowing the principles is important, but not enough. See, look at dancing. Dancers study the principles of dancing. But does merely studying textbooks make them a dancer? No. Does merely listening to the instructor without doing the actual steps with the instructor make a dancer? No. And therefore, does merely knowing the principles of Christianity make us Christian? No. I know a very good professor of religious studies. He knows the Bible back inside and out. Guess what? He's not a Christian. So, is it enough to gain a better conversational relationship with God if we only read his letters, yet not practice hearing his voice every day, speaking to him every day, and practicing how we can speak to him? And so, the second form of communication is what I find the most important, of how we can develop a more conversational relationship with God. And that is communicating with God through sharing his activities. Communicating with God through sharing his activities, just like dancing. Because when you see a tango, one is not standing still while the other dances. It looks kind of odd, right? Like think about it, if Antonio Banderas was just standing still and the way lady was just dancing around him, it's kind of weird, right? It looks like kind of odd. So both people need to participate in order for the tango to be a tango for both dancers to look as one beautiful and cohesive unit. But how does the couple get to the point where both of them know exactly where the other wants to go and where to step? How does the couple start to freely improvise knowing exactly where the other person wants them to be without saying a word? You see where I'm getting at? Like, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Dancing with the Stars, but they got, they're at a point after much endurance and practice with each other that even the slightest improvisation of the partner, the other partner knows where to go without saying a word. It's like they are in sync. Another observation on dancing that I made is that all the dancers need to do is look at each other's eyes and boom, they know exactly each other's intentions. They're eye to eye without saying a single word. It's like wherever they move, the other person moves. Eye to eye contact, fully in sync. But they couldn't get there if they did practice together and do the activity together for a good amount of time. Well, guess what? That beautiful dance that you see, the wonderful improvisations that you see often, that synchronization, like that out of the blue, uh, like a beauty that comes out, it didn't come without much practice with each other. Same with the relationship with God.
Same with our relationship with God. When, when Paul says to keep in step with the Spirit, live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, he actually is dance with God. Share in his activities often so that you know. Our goal is to have a relationship with God like the dancers. The goal of not needing to be told what to do because we already know God's intended very clear what his desire is for us to do. Now, in a couple of chapters later, there is a, we are going to explore that, but there's a pivotal moment of where we want to be as Christians. We really want to be at a point where every thought that we think, every word that we say, every decision that we make, every action, we can be fully confident that that is according to the gospel. Right? That whatever we do, we can be just confident. We, can, we don't need to doubt ourselves whether it pleases God. Right? We want to hit that point. Just like the dancers. We don't, they don't need to tell each other at that dance floor what to do anymore. They just flow. They're led. Okay? For us, we want to do the same with God. We don't want to doubt ourselves. We want to just say, yes, I'm confident that the Spirit's in me, moving. Let's take a step back uh, a bit and look at one of the Christian principles and see how we can put one of these principles into practice then. Right? Like, uh, we talk about sharing in God's you know, activities. Well, how about the principle of contentment? It's very difficult to know what, know what God is focused on and where his eyes are fixed at it at if our eyes are fixed on ourselves and our circumstances. When two people dance, their eyes are not on their position of their own feet, right? They don't look at their own feet. They don't look at our own body positions. What do they look at? They look at each other, right? How can we possibly dance with God and share his activities if we continue to look at ourselves? We'll be like stumbling, right? Like I'm always constantly looking at my size 12 feet. You know, like where it's going, where it's moving, right? I'm concerned about myself. I'm concerned about how I look. I'm concerned about where I stand in society and where my reputation is. I'm concerned about where I'm going. Yet the, yet the one that's supposed to lead is the spirit. Where am I supposed to be then? Where am I fully confident that wherever, wherever my eyes are fixed, my feet will work no matter what? It'll go where it needs to go. Where will I my eyes? Where should my eyes be? My eyes should be fixed on the Holy Spirit. Led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, share in God's activities. Now, how does one going to share in God's activities? Well, the prison of contentment, as we continue to fix our eyes on Him and not on ourselves, we are sharing in God's activities because what comes out will be generosity, hospitality, and love for others. Activities of God, God's activities will be automatically shared right after when we lose, when we less sight of ourselves and more see Him, basically, eye to eye. Dallas Willard says this: We become so close to God that we do not have to wait to hear His words. We don't have to be asked. Now there, there's an old saying like uh, in Chinese: It's like you don't need someone to ask of you, or you don't need, you don't need to be told, right? Or actually, that's not even a Chinese thing. That's like a really a, that's a general thing, right? You don't need to be told what to do. I'm afraid that sometimes we still do. <clears throat> let's, not kid, let's not kid ourselves. In order for us to have a deeper, more intimate relationship with God, 
and not saying, God, tell me what to do, but more of, God, move me where you want to go. We need to fix our eyes on him and just let him, and let him lead. Notice the one being led. Here's an observation. Like, uh, I was going to show you a video of a tango, but it got a little bit too, you know, the tango is a bit, they, yeah, it's really sensual. <laughs> so I'm trying to really keep this PG uh, as a servant. But notice, whenever you see a tango or a dance, notice the one being led. She does not look like she's confined, right? Nor does she look like she's like constrained. Nor does she feel like she's rigid, like following certain steps and motions, right? She's not going one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, right? She's not. When she is led, she is able to express her God-given ability to dance, right? She's expressing herself when she's led. Sisters and brothers, if you are like me, throughout my whole childhood, I thought having a relationship with God was to memorize Bible verses and be a very good, hardworking, morally upright person. But the reason I did that was because I didn't want to get punished from God. So it was more like, you tell me what to do, I obey, don't punish me, please. That type of relationship. Well, guess what? After a few, uh, few revelations through my studies at Regent, and some God moments, and self-reflection, I realized that's not what God really wants. No. He's not there to punish us. He's not there to whip us. He is there to dance with us. He is there to lead us so that we can express our full God-given abilities. He is there to make us beautiful. Just like how a person would lead another person to dance. That person who's being led turns out to be gracious and beautiful. He is there to dance with us, to take the lead and allow us to flourish and be fully who we were intended to be. When we allow the Holy Spirit to take the lead, beautiful things will happen in your life, in our lives just like how beautiful a tango is when one is being led, and that person trusts that that person will bring the best out of them. Allow God to bring the best out of you. Walk by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. And be led by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, words that you have given us. Wow, it was like the word spirit was mentioned so many times in just that one paragraph. And Lord, you're speaking to us. Speaking to us individually. Are we holding anything tightly, Lord, that you see? Are we holding us to certain desires and certain ambitions that you see? Are we holding tightly to certain securities and safety debts that, we, that you see? Lord, break those. Allow us to open our hands grasp your hand and be led by you. Allow us to dance with you so that we are enabled and empowered and just explode with who you created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.